It is the KEXE Tuesday Morning Show. I'm Heidi Holton with John Latimer. This is the day and many days that we talk about nature and phenology. And we take an in-depth look at natural resource-based issues that are important to our region. Today, we're continuing part two of our forest history series. We did talk with John Ryla from Minnesota Timber and Millwork of Deer River. He's told us about the changes and how Minnesota forests have been logged and managed since the early 1900s. And then last month, Dennis Kepler from the Minnesota DNR Resource Assessment discussed how Minnesota forests have changed over the past several decades. You can find both of those conversations at kexe.org. But today we're glad to welcome Patty Thielen. From, she's a Minnesota state forester. She's kicking off the new year with a discussion of the state of Minnesota's forests in 2024. Also joining us is our producer, Mark Jacobs. Good morning, you guys. Thanks for being here. Good morning. Good morning. Well, what does it mean, Patty, to be a Minnesota State Forester? Well, uh, good morning. Um, so uh, I, I have two job titles. One is the State Forester. The other is the Director of the Division of Forestry for Minnesota DNR. Um, so I kind of serve two roles there. Um, I got into forestry so I could uh, move out of the Twin Cities where I grew up, and now I've come full circle. Here I am in downtown St. Paul. I can see the Capitol out my window to the right. Um, but along the way, a little bit about how I got here, uh, I worked in Bidette for my first 15 years of my career, um, out in the field doing forest management, wild, wildfire suppression, uh, worked my way up from an entry-level forester to being the area supervisor for the last few years I was there. Um, next 11 years, I worked in the Grand Rapids uh, regional headquarters, um, working in the regional forestry office for several years. And then I worked as the department's Northeast regional director for about four years. So I worked with all seven of DNR's divisions. Uh, it was a pretty unique experience. I got kind of a window into the world of the other six divisions. Uh, I also got to work with tribes, with local governments. Uh, it was a, a great opportunity. And a little over two years ago, another opportunity came up for me to return to the forestry division, um, but at a job here in central office in St. Paul. And uh, I, I came back to forestry um, about nine months after that, the, the forestry director then, Forrest Bow, retired, and uh, I threw my name in the hat because I, I'm so proud of the work that we do in the forestry division, and I'm really proud of how we have evolved over my career, really continuing to learn, making science-based decisions. Um, our, our programs and our staff really want our forests to stay healthy and resilient and to provide all of the values that Minnesotans expect. Um, my work varies throughout the year. I don't think I have a typical week, um, but some of the things I do throughout the year are, are uh, working on legislative issues. And uh, I think, you know, hockey is like a 10 month out of the year sport, while the legislature is like a 12 month or 13 month out of the year sport. Um, sometimes we start talking about a session over a year before it begins. Uh, I've had opportunities to testify to committees and uh, help senators and representatives uh, who might be working on a bill to learn more about our forests and learn more about the work that we do. Um, we develop 
management plans that uh, that the state forester needs to approve of. Uh, right now, we're working on uh, developing our de- coming up with a better plan for developing our staff. We want to provide our staff the training and the um, knowledge that they need to progress throughout their careers so that they can move into leadership roles. And uh, so more of them are ready to take this role uh, when I someday retire. I I find it amusing that you would equate hockey and politics, and I'm reminded of the expression, give blood, play hockey, or politics. (laughs) (laughs) So you... You've probably bled a little in that political Im- embrace. Um, <laughs> There's wh- a little bit. Yeah. What uh, What are some of the big problems facing uh, you uh, on the political front? I mean, uh, who? what's standing in the way of uh, better forests for Minnesota? You know, I think in Minnesota, we're in a pretty lucky place where um, the both sides of the aisle often come together to support the work that we do. Um, You know, on the one side, there's, there's the environment um, and, and uh, on another side, there's, there's hunting and fishing and on another side, there's jobs. And so forests really uh, sometimes can, can help uh, the parties converge and do good work together. I've been, uh, I've been, using and enjoying some of the uh, work that you've done up in the Bedet area with the uh, sharp-tailed grouse, grouse uh, habitat. And uh, that has been a, a major success in that area. The population is really coming back nicely. Are there more projects like that that you're across the state that are being worked on? Um, we are we are working on projects all across the state. Um you know, one, one recent thing that we worked on was uh, our midpoint assessment of our sustainable timber harvest uh, management plan that, that uh, um, illustrated what we were going to do over 10 years. There's some really exciting case studies that are folded into that where uh, foresters are working with wildlife managers, foresters are working with fisheries managers um, to help them uh, do things to the forest that are going to help achieve their goals. We are. Patty, oh, oh um, you know, you work with other state foresters, you know, compare notes over a cup of coffee or something else. Uh, you know, what are some of the similarities and differences in other states? What, what makes Minnesota stand out or where, where are we maybe behind the curve a little bit? Well, I, I tend to think we, um, almost entirely stand out. Uh, <laughs> um, Minnesota's a pretty big state uh, when when you look at all the states. There's several that are bigger, but we're a pretty big state, and we have a lot of state forest land. Uh, we have a lot of forest land uh, of all ownerships, over 17 million acres. Um, it's it's interesting uh, working with the, the different state foresters and learning about their state's Um, Because the workload does vary. Um, In some states, uh, they have a a significant amount of rural forest. I think Maine is like 90% forested. Um, That's a lot of forest. Um, Most of that is private. Um, There's other states that are uh, smaller states in general that don't have very many uh, acres of rural forests but they have a really, really strong urban and community forest program. 
Um, it's important for, for uh, cities to have urban forests too. Um, I think in, in similarity, you know, I think we're all really passionate about trees and about forests. Um, one thing that, that is unique to Minnesota is our, our checkerboard of ownership. Um, we've got state lands that are forested, um, but there's also federal forests, county forests that you're very familiar with, Mark, uh, tribal forests, and a lot of private forest land, both industry and um, family forests. Uh, actually, about half of the forests in Minnesota are owned um, by private, either industry or, or families. Um, the other half, of course, are publicly owned, so managed by, by the state, federal government, by counties. And uh, we're really lucky to have the public lands that we do here in Minnesota that are available for all of us to recreate on. And uh, at the same time, they provide a ton of other values. Of course, you know, the water quality, uh, wildlife habitat, um, the economic values. Um, a lot of states are similar to Minnesota in that their foresters um, have both forest management responsibilities and fire suppression responsibilities. Um, not all of them, but quite a few. But one thing that's unique to Minnesota is uh, just across town from uh, Heidi and John is, is um, MIFC, the Minnesota Interagency Fire Center. Um, where we house MINICS, uh, M-N-I-C-S. It's the Minnesota uh, uh, Inter Excuse me, Minnesota Interagency um, Command System, or Minnesota Incident Command System. Uh, need a little more coffee this morning, and uh, it's it's an interagency group. So DNR, the Forest Service, but also the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, the National Park Service. Um, Bureau of Indian Affairs, uh, I think the State Department of Public Safety, all work together to manage wildfire, to manage other emergency incidents. Um, but we work together in advance of that so that we're ready. So we develop training together. Um, we have standard procedures and practices. So again, when, when things start to happen, we're all ready to, to work together. We know who's gonna do what. Um, to take care of business when there's an emergency. Um, another thing that's that's kind of unique and special about Minnesota is our school trust lands. Um, a lot of states sold all or nearly all of their school trust lands um, back when they were uh, granted to them when when uh, statehood began for their state. Um, in Minnesota, we did that in the southwestern part of the state. Um, but we still own a lot of school trust lands in the Northeast. About half the lands that forestry manages are school trust lands. And I feel that we're really lucky that we continue to own those. Um, they're, they're managed for the best interest of the trust. Um, but in the meantime, we get to use them for recreation, for hunting, for fishing, and get all the other benefits like water quality, uh, carbon sequestration, et cetera. I'm I'm intrigued a couple of things. One, uh, sustainable harvest. Uh, I'm curious what what is that number now, and are we approaching it? Are there demands for more? Are there uh, you know, where is that going? And then uh, I'm also curious about the uh, role of fire. And you know we have to uh, 
we have to recognize that some areas actually could benefit from a fire, especially in that Baudette area. You know, a lot of that land could be, you know, made healthier, made more uh, wildlife amenable with some fire. So maybe you could touch on both of those. Sure. Um, well, we did an analysis. Uh, we worked with a pretty amazing contractor out of uh, from out west, um, Mason, Bruce, and Gerard, that took a look at at our uh, forest resources and helped us analyze what do we have, um, what what are the possibilities. Helped us take a look as we as we change this and toggle that. How does that affect um, biodiversity? How does that affect water quality? Uh, it was a it was a pretty fascinating analysis. Um, the The contractor did not tell us what to do. We were actually uh, asked to or directed to come up with a sustainable number um, from the governor at the time. Uh, he asked us to take a look at um, whether a million cords a year was sustainable, and if it wasn't, what is the sustainable number? And uh, in our analysis, we determined that. <clears throat> Uh, right now, a million cords is not sustainable. And looking at the um, the resources we have, at the industry that we have to help us do the work, that about 870,000 was sustainable. Um, at the time, we also wanted to try a pilot to uh, try and manage additional tamarack and ash um, to help manage the, the diseases present in those cover types. And, uh, and we've, we've offered some additional over the last several years. Um, we've actually not been selling everything that we offer and uh, the actual harvest level um, since before our, our analysis has stayed pretty much the same. Uh, so we've been offering more and have not been harvesting significantly more. Um, to fire, we know fire is a really important silvicultural tool um, that can help us to regenerate some cover types. Uh, it can, can help provide important wildlife uh, features. And I know that, um, you know, kind of a win-win, a uh, I think working on prescribed burns is a really great way to learn about fire behavior in a somewhat controlled uh, um, way. And so having our staff assist on, on prescribed burns, even, even for other divisions in the department, um, can help us be more ready when uh, a wildfire um, is burning and we need to, to put it out. Patty, just a point of clarification. I know a lot of people, when they hear about the 870,000 cords, they assume that that's in the entire state. But what we're talking about there is on DNR administered lands. Um, that's that's right. That's right, Mark. Specifically, yeah. Patty, I wonder, you mentioned earlier about um, work, the job of a forester and working to make that better. Are there lots of people interested in this? Is the, the field have enough people? Well, it's, uh, I think like everybody lately, we've had a little harder time hiring. I think it's just been challenging um, since, since COVID uh, to fill positions. Um, some, of the, some of the locations in the northernmost part of the state can be the most challenging. Um, I think they're a little further away. 
Um, but I'll put in a plug for uh, places like Bidet and Warroad. They are really great places to work. Uh, they're really great places to uh, recreate and go fishing and things like that. Um, I think our our staff are pretty passionate about their work, and uh, I think I think we need to do some more work in helping perhaps high school kids learn about careers in natural resources so that they know, um, boy, they can come back home uh, after a little bit of school and and uh, be able to have a, a really, really fulfilling career uh, managing natural resources. We said we were going to talk about the state of Minnesota's forests in 2024. Do you have like a sentence or a word that might describe the state of the forests here? Oh. You know, I think uh, I, I think our forests across ownerships are in really good hands. I think um, we we plan for the long term. We're not just planning for a 10 year um, management period. We're planning for the next 100 years what we want our forest to look like. Um, we we can't wave a magic wand and turn a 60 year old forest into a 30 year old forest. Um, so the only tools we have are, you know, letting the forest march on and get older or to turn a forest into a, a regeneration age forest. And uh, I, I think we do a really great job of making sure we have uh, all of the age classes across the landscape and keeping our forests healthy. To that end, are there uh, are there plans? Are there uh things in motion to create uh, some really old growth? I mean, I'm thinking of the the Lost 40 up here. Are there other areas of the state that the forestry is setting aside to maybe let these trees just grow in perpetuity or, you know, whatever their natural life cycle might be? Yeah, you know, we've got a lot of designated old growth um, across different species across the state. Uh, on forestry lands, on parks lands, on, on wildlife administered lands. And just in general, um, if, you, if you look back about 45 years, um, our forests are older today than they were 45 years ago. There's fewer acres that are um, between the ages of zero and 60. And um, there's, there's over twice as many acres of forests that are over age 60. So, you know, when we talk about our forest management work, sometimes people think that, we're, you know, we're, we're trying to go cut down all the trees. And what we're, what we're trying to do is cut down just a tiny amount of trees, tiny acreage in the big picture across the landscape um, to make sure that we have all of the age classes. And that includes uh, having older forest on the landscape. That's Patty Thielen, Minnesota State Forester, along with our producer, Mark Jacobs. This conversation will be available at our website, kaxe.org. Thanks so much for your time today. Yeah, thank you both. Wonderful Thanks, to everyone. Chat. Thanks.